Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. Honestly, it's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and talk about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference in your life. And that's what we're going to hear from Richard in a way that only he can do with words of hope, insight, and humor. You may be stuck in traffic or stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help get you on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. So let's get right into today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Team Others, Matthew chapter 6. Before we read Matthew 6, let me give you a few little phrases here. Back in the day, people had benefactors. The Medici family felt bad about the usurious loaning of money, probably, and that's why they did it. But they were benefactor to artists and musicians in Florence, Italy. You got teams that have booster clubs. You have fan clubs. Even in business, you have what's called an angel investor. I don't know who came up with this, but great name for what it is. This is what an angel investor is. An investor to a startup, especially one who invests very early on or during the company's initial forming. A disciple maker is an angel investor. You invest in that person's life early on so they can avoid a lot of pitfalls and you can help them make it. Backers, a champion. Without getting into this, there are things that God has shown up in my life and provided. I would never have made it by myself. People who have stepped in and been generous, gracious, kind, things that have happened, there is no other explanation but that God must have told them to do it and they did it. And you say, well, why does that stuff not happen to me? Why don't you try practicing it first? Matthew 6, verse 3, but when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. People think this is tithing. That's not what it says. This is not tithing. This is charitable deed. This means you are in a mode of, I am going to do something, an act of love towards someone else. And you're very careful about how you go about this. You may put cash in an envelope and mail it to somebody who's in trouble and you don't put a return address. I highly recommend doing everything you can to be untraceable. If you've got some friend in Minnesota, mail them an envelope and say, would you mail that from there down here to this family? You say, well, I won't get any glory that way. Exactly. They'll open the envelope and go, oh my gosh, where did this come from? This must be God himself. Somebody knows we're in trouble. You are thinking about someone else. People who don't think about other people always think about what they can do with their money, not what someone else needs. Well, if I give that to you, I won't be able to buy this. Okay. And is this something you need? Well, no, it's just something I want. Ask God what you're supposed to be doing with his money. Matthew 20. Matthew 20, 27. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. It's not about people taking care of you or me. It's about me getting up and running where I'm in a position to serve other people. You say, well, what about me? He has already taken care of you. 
And he knows what you need. And I'm telling you, if you're an others kind of person, then there are others who are also others kind of people and they will pick up on that you're an other person. And the Holy Spirit prompts them. God knows when I need encouragement and knows where I get it and where I don't get it. But every once in a while, I get some encouragement. He goes, yeah, you look like you're a little low on the encouragement stuff. I go, wow, Lord, that was kind. And sometimes it comes from very unlikely, you know, out of nowhere places. If you are an other person, other people recognize you as an other person and (laughs) they say, oh, I bet something needs to go that way today. Luke 5. Of all the stories I can come up with in scripture, at least praying about it, this is the one that I got prompted to read you. This is what I'm talking about. Verse 17, Luke 5, 17. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching, this is talking about Jesus, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And this little phrase is amazing. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. What in the world does that mean? I will tell you something about today. The power of the Lord is present to heal you. It's very fascinating to me how people don't believe that's a thing anymore. Unless it happens under a doctor's supervision. And then they're okay with it. But if Jesus just shows up and makes them well, oh, we can't explain that. What are we going to do now? Power was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. Now this is team paralysis in the best of cases here. This team is not paralyzed. Their friend is paralyzed. And this is what I'm talking about. Someone is in so much trouble that they personally cannot get to Jesus. But you as their friend or friends say, we are gonna facilitate getting this friend of ours or this person we know to Jesus. Because the need is so great and the power of the Lord is present to heal, that's a great combination for a paralyzed man. So they take him and when, verse 19, and when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, okay, we can't get in the door. We got this paralyzed guy on a bed, there's four of us and we can't get in, but we're not gonna quit. They went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. These are people I want around me. I want people that if I'm in trouble will come get my sorry backside and haul me to Jesus. And if they can't get in the house, they will go up on the roof, remove tile and lower me into his presence. You say, well, those are crazy people. No, those are people who are thinking about someone else and will move whatever they got to move to get to Jesus. And see, this stuff doesn't matter if you're just team me. You're like, well, I don't need anybody until you need somebody. And then what are you going to do? Part of the reason I am interested and passionate about team others is that I have been surrounded by people who made that their priority or I wouldn't have made it. I was thinking about killing myself. That's how well it was going for me. And someone recognized that and went to work and got me to Jesus or I wouldn't be standing here. So when you wake up and you say, Lord, wow, you woke me up. I'm here. So if I'm still here, there's got to be a reason for me being here. 
Yes, some of it is about me, but I got food and clothing. I got embarrassingly more than food and clothing. So what am I going to say? Lord, I need, what are you going to come up with? So Lord, you woke me up. Why am I here? You are here to glorify me. And that is going to involve other people. And if you have no interaction with other people and no interest in other people and no time for other people, what are you doing here? Ask yourself this question. Would it be better off for me and Jesus if he would just come get me right now because I have no intention of changing and it's just going to be a waste of time down here the rest of the time? I have no interest in changing. I don't care about anybody else but me. So Lord, I know I'm your child. Just come get me because I'm just passing time. At some point, you have to put it in gear and look around and say, okay, Lord, why am I still alive literally today, today? Back to our story. They drop him through the roof. Verse 20, when he saw their faith, now look at this, when he saw their faith, he said to him. So who's got the faith here in this situation? It's these four buddies. We're about to get this guy to Jesus. So Jesus sees their faith, and then he speaks to the paralyzed man. Man, that could have been his name, but probably not. Man, <laughs> your sins are forgiven you. Now let me ask you a question. If you were paralyzed and you had an option, when put in front of Jesus, he could do one of two things. He could forgive you of your sins or heal you from paralysis. Which one would you pick? If you understand what's going on, you would pick what he did first. He forgave his sins. Because if he heals him of his paralysis, but his sins are not forgiven, he's just going to walk into hell and maybe miss heaven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, they got that part right. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? And this got to freak them out too, because like, well, how does he know what we're thinking? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say, rise up and walk, but that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Verse 25, immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on and departed to his house, glorifying God. This little side note here, either he could walk before he was paralyzed and so he was able to get up. Here's my read on this. When Jesus heals you, even the ability to walk is built into the healing. It doesn't say he wobbled, he got up, wrapped his bed up, and he's out of there. It went from paralyzed to walking to his house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Because four men took some initiative. Now, you say, well, where are you going with this? I'm asking you to ask God, whose team am I on? Acts chapter 20. Get committed to a person or some people. We raise our children. We are committed to them. I am committed to my children, their spouses, their kids, to the death, 
right? What do you think this is? This is a family. And so you look around and say, Lord, there's a gap over here. That kid doesn't have a dad. We're going to step in. We're going to help shore this up. We're going to help encourage this young man. We're not just going to let the world take him and see if he makes it. Good luck. God bless you. Do something already. Spend some time. Oh, no, I'm just responsible for my family. You are responsible for your family, but not just your immediate family. It's the family of God we're responsible for. Acts 20, verse 35. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So let's give. You say, well, you're talking about money. No, I'm talking about your life. You can give money without giving yourself, but you cannot give yourself without giving your money. You give yourself, you're going to say, there's a need here. Lord, how am I the person to meet this need? Go to Philippians 2. Philippians 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Now, people say, well, you know, if I engage in this life that you're suggesting, I'm not suggesting it's an in scripture. It's not a suggestion. Well, but if I do what it says, uh, I'm not going to have like any personal time. You'd be amazed if you get outside of yourself and start caring about other people, how much time you would have, because the time that you think you don't have, you're using on you. You might end up with more time if you'd care about somebody else than you have right now. Because most people who are absorbed in themselves are spending all of their personal time gratifying themselves. You get into somebody else, cut all your weed time out, what am I going to do with all this time? All my online time, all my porn time, all my whatever it is, you'd be amazed how much time you have when you're not thinking about you all the time and pleasing yourself. I didn't get any claps or amens on that, but maybe next time. Second Timothy 1. Now, I'm not reading you all of this stuff, but this is replete in Scripture. Second Timothy 1, verse 16. And this is just Paul writing to his young, this young guy that he has made so much time for. He's writing him letters that are Scripture. That's what's going on. A one another person, Paul to Timothy giving all the time in the world to this kid and writing to him in 2 Timothy 1.16 he says the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anesiphorus for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain and when he arrived in Rome he sought me out very zealously and found me the Lord grant to him that he might find mercy from the Lord in that day and you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus so this household of Anesiphorus I promise you what Paul is saying here is that man and his household is on team Paul Now, Paul was on team everybody, but he had to have people on his team too. And he did. And there were people who were doing this, refreshed him, not ashamed that he was in prison, sought him out zealously, found him, and ministered to him even while he was at Ephesus. So who's on your team like that? 
people taking care of you. You say, well, I got no one. Let's change that. And then the question is, whose team are you on like Onesiphorus was with Paul? You say, well, I got nobody like that. I got people in my life that if I find out they're in trouble, I will find them. Now, I don't know if you know what that means coming from me. If I come looking for you, there's a good chance I'm going to find you because I'm not going to give up till I find you. And I can tell you, you better get you some friends like me because when you're in trouble, you're going to need one of those. Now, I also have friends that I know for a fact, I don't care where I am on the planet. If they got word that I was in trouble, they would drop everything and come find me. You say, well, how do you know that? Because I got that kind of friends because I am that kind of friend. I don't have any friends like that. Then become the kind of person that would do that and have those kind of friends. There is a physical aspect to this taking care of other people. We had a girl in our church for quite a while and she worked in nursing homes. I couldn't do it, not my thing. That'd be very difficult for me, caring for old people. But I'm glad they exist because I might make it. And one day she came to me and said, you're not gonna believe this, but I'm taking care of this couple. They're kind of like in the same hallway and his name is Zig Ziglar and his wife is like next door. And here's this godly young woman caring for Zig Ziglar, who I've known, knew before he died for years, and read his wife, a redhead. And my Jesus sent the brother help at the end. You better figure out a way to take care of others because sooner or later you're going to be to others. Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So what am I trying to do today? I'm trying to stir up love and good works, not the kind of good works you think will get you into heaven, but the kind of good works that come out of love and having a relationship with God. James talks about this. How can you say you love God and you do nothing? Faith without works is dead. So if you say you have faith and there's no works, he says, I'll show you my faith by my works. 1 Peter 1.22, a few more and we're done. 1 Peter 1.22, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Gosh, I, I mean, the thing is, I can go around this room. Where's John Sanders? Stand up, John Sanders, stand up. I love that man right there. Man, and he knows I love him. We didn't come from the same place. We're not the same color on the outside, but we got the same heart. And I know that man loves me because he tells me so. All right. Now, here's what happens after I do that. A bunch of men in this room go, I wonder if he's going to ask me to stand up. Oh, there's more. It would take too long. Do you know that you're one of the men? And if you don't, then I'm not doing something right. Because it turns out I love everybody in the room. I had to think about it a second, but I think it's true. <laughs> and 
then he says, well, I didn't say just to love him. I said, love him fervently, fervently. You decide you love people fervently, you're not gonna be the same person. How can I help you? How can I pray for you? How can I serve you? Now you say, well, if I do this and I yield and say, okay, Lord, use me, he's gonna burn me out. You got no verses for that. Jesus never burned out. He's not gonna burn you out. You may end up more rested than you ever were because when you serve him, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. You find refreshing for your soul and you come home from, ask Carlos, Carlos, uh, he knows what I'm talking about and he knows I love him too. And you love me, say you love me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Carlos is always going somewhere, helping somebody, serving somebody. He said, oh, well, he just, he's just that way. No, God doesn't get the glory that way. He's willing to be mobilized. He has served me. And if we went around the room, there are other people he served. First Peter 4, 10, as each one has received a gift, and you can't be a Christian without receiving a gift, minister it to one another. And this gift here is probably talking about something physical, actually as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I've actually shared this before. I've actually hidden candy in my own house because if I left it out, my children would eat all of my candy and I did not want that to happen. I currently do not have any hidden candy in my house. I'm not saying it can't happen. There's some blackberries growing on my fence and I found them and no one had stolen them yet. And so I collected them in my t-shirt and took them in the house and put them out where everybody could see them. He said, well, what does that even mean? I didn't hide the blackberries. I was willing to put them where everybody could partake. What are you hiding? It could be in a portfolio somewhere where even God doesn't know how much you got, you think. And then you get a verse like this, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You can't outgive him. He's not gonna burn you out. And there is no greater joy, no better way to live. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So get on the giving end, serve other people. We've had an announcement in here about an opportunity to go serve food to homeless people. Well, you know, those, those are just lazy bums. Turns out the guy running the ministry is one of those lazy bums who used to be on the street. Drug addict, he'll tell you his whole story. And Jesus took him off the street. Now he's back out there helping him. Right? So, so you say, well, I don't know if I'm supposed to do that. Look, this is not some guesswork game. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They hear my voice. You say, Lord, there's a need. Are you telling me I'm supposed to respond to that? He goes, yeah, that's you. Okay, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. And you go. Well, what about my Saturday? It ain't your Saturday anyway. None of these days are your days. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. 
The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. Last one, John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you these things. I command you that you love one another. So it really is an option. It's just whether you're going to do it or not. There's an old song out there. I'm a friend of God. And people say, I'm a friend. Oh, be careful singing those songs. You better be checking your obedience. He says, my friends do what I command them. If you're a friend, you're living a life of obedience. This has been Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. There's only one reason we do this program, to take the planet with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our message and our mission. And you have a vital part of doing that along with us. If you've been encouraged by these talks with Richard, be sure to share with someone about the change they've made in your life. And we'd love to hear your story as to how the talks have made a difference to you. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. 855-6-RICHARD. You can also reach us through our website, richardellistalks.com. And while you're there, check out all the fun and informative pages we put together for you, richardellistalks.com. While you're there, be sure to click on the Contribute tab at the top to send your generous gift. If the program is making a difference to you, your gift will make a big difference to us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.